heart is here and they do send their love uh, to the family, to the pastors and to their parents. And, uh, you know, he said, make sure, you know, Pastor Will's, you know, hey, little brother, make sure you tell, you know, the family that, you know, we're praying for them, right? And I'm all right, Pastor Will, all right, come on, right? But um, we are honored to have them and, and we, we know, we want you to know that God is really using them in a powerful way. Praise the Lord. Um, this morning, I would just like to give you a thought. I know that um, uh, it's exciting Sunday, and, and, and but I want to give you a thought that God has put in my heart, uh, you know, throughout uh, this last year of what God has been doing in, in our time and in our era. Tell your neighbor, we're going to have a great time. Somebody say amen. And as you remain sitting down, I want you to draw your attention to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 15, verse 4, and and once you get there, tell the person next to you, listen, let's have a great time this morning. A great time. Come on, somebody. And it says in the book of Romans, chapter 15, verse 4, it says, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Let's pray one more time. Father, we thank you, Father, for your glory. We thank you, God, for your presence, Lord. We thank you, God, for just the great celebrative spirit that is in this place, Lord. We pray that before we leave, Lord, that you would infuse us with your glory, that you would ignite our passion to reach not only this part of the world, but, Lord, as it's been said, that this is uh, the pulpit that is able to make an impact throughout the world. Lord, let me just to compliment the vision of this ministry, God. I pray this, God, in the name of Jesus. We all say amen and amen. Give God one more good hand this morning. Thank you very much. Now, the title of my message is, What's So Special About Grapes? Now, what we see here in the book of Romans, chapter 15, verse 4, it simply says that everything that was written in the past was written to help us not only in the present, but to give us strength for the future. I want to talk about keeping our eyes on the future. Somebody say amen. Now, when you look at the stories of the past, when you look at God's activity in the future, and you look at it and you believe it, it helps you to have productivity in your future. In your future. Tell the person next to you, you got a future. Now, there was a man, a famous man. You might know him, right? All right, I feel better now. huh? There was an amazing man, a famous man, who said this, life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get out of it. Forrest Gump. Come on, somebody. But I believe that life is more like a cluster of grapes. The more you eat, the sweeter, the sweeter it gets. Huh? See, what I want to talk about is, you know, focusing on your future. We're going to use the legendary story of the 12 spies this morning. A very, very powerful story, well-known story. And, you know, you hear, you, you, when you read the story, it, God speaks to Moses that Moses is to, is to instruct God's people to go and spy out the promised land. And then you can read it there in the book of Numbers, chapter 13. But allow me to paraphrase. It talks about how Moses sent out 12 spies. And he said, listen, go out there and see what the land is like. See what the people are like. See what the lifestyle is like. See what even the soil is like. Is it fertile soil? Go see what the resources are like. 
And he begins to tell him, listen, do your best to bring back a sample. Somebody say amen. And they did that. They went out there to, you know, explore the land. And they brought back a sample. And they brought back a cluster of grapes. Now, what's so special about grapes? Because if I was sent out to go out there, I wouldn't probably bring back grapes. I would bring back, you know, one of the guys' swords. Or, you know, I would bring back, you know, a shield, you know, or something. Or I would bring back the gold. You know, what would you bring back? But why? what's so special about grapes? They brought back a sample, and the Bible says in the book of Numbers 13.23, it says when they came to what is known, or what is now known as the Valley of Ishkol, they cut down a cluster of grape so large. I mean, it probably looked like these chandeliers, if I can use my sanctified imagination, right? Large, so large that it took two of them to carry it on one pool between them. Now, the first thing that they saw was these gigantic grapes. What caught their attention was that they saw a large cluster of grapes. And they began to really, I believe, they began to say, wow, look how big and gigantic these grapes are. I believe they began to say, you look at, man, these grapes are so big, it must mean that we have a bright future. Tell your neighbor, we have a bright future. But something happened. Something happened. I'm going to call my brother up right here. Would you come this wonderful morning? And listen, what happened was, I mean, you know, you know, I'm trying to find somebody tall. But, and, you know, anybody's tall compared to me, amen. The only thing short about me is my messages, Amen. Hello. Now, there was, they, 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 the first thing they saw was how gigantic the clusters of grape were. And, you know, they were there. But after some time, after 40 days of being there, all of a sudden when they were focusing on the grapes, all of a sudden they began to focus on the giants. And they saw the giants. They lost their focus. And they said, Vata! That means what in Afrikaans, right? Huh? And they said all of a sudden no longer were their focus on the giants. They started focusing on the giant grapes. They started focusing on the giants that were in the land. Huh? Stay right there. And what happened was all of a sudden no longer did they see that those grapes represented gigantic opportunities. No longer did they see that those grapes represented a bright future. All of a sudden it went away because they, be they began to focus on the present circumstance that there was giants on the land. Somebody say, well... So instead of focusing on the grapes, they started focusing on the giants. See, and they failed to see because of fear, because of doubt, because of disbelief. They failed to see what God was trying to show them. How many of us know that God always tries to show us something in everything? See, they failed to realize that that was not, that that was not the place of the giants. That was not their place. That was God's people's place. They failed to see that that's the, they, that place where the giant was didn't belong to the giant. It, be, it belonged to them. See, they failed to see that that place was not a place of giants, but it was a place for giants. See, they failed to understand that what God was showing them was just a simple glimpse of who they were going to be. 
God was trying to show them that, listen, though you're small now, my future is so great and so bright that I'm going to raise you up and you're going to become as those giants in that land. Because that's not a place of giants. That's a place for giants. And listen, there is a profound biblical principle found here that the reason these giants were so big and the reason they'd be able to keep their stature and their stamina because they were feeding off the promised land. Man, go ahead, get a grape. Just get one grape. Just see, it was that they were feeding off God's promised land. That's enough, my brother. Come on, brother. Those are my grapes, huh? Right. So God starts to show them, listen, that's not their place. That's your place. And listen, though you're few right now, I have the power and the ability to take you to a place where it's made not of giants, but for giants. And one of these play, one of these days, you're going to take control of that land and you're going to prosper in that land because I have a giant future. I have giant promises, but it takes the faith of giants to get there. Give God a praise. If you understand... What was happening? Now, see, I want you to know that they failed to see that God was going to take them to a place where God was going to make them bigger people, to have bigger finances, to have bigger strength, to have bigger promises, to have people who have bigger faith, to do bigger things. But it was not in the present time. It was in the journey where God's going to build their faith, and all of a sudden they're going to get to the place where they'll do big things for God Almighty. Do you believe that God's taking us to a place where you and I are going to be able to do big things. Listen, we serve a big God. Now, you got to know this. As you see, you got to look at it. And you know what's amazing? Allow me to continue with the story here. I, I, God showed me. I want to use my sanctified imagination Come on, somebody. And you know what I think? The Bible says that the grapes, the cluster of grapes are so big that it took two people to carry it. If you know the, if you know the geography of that place, it was about a 500-mile stretch. There was 12 spies, and only two people had to carry it. And you know, when you look at in context, you fail to realize, you, you, you understand that there was only two guys in that story that were down to carry the vision. I believe that in front of the in front of that pool was, you know, the old school generation, the Caleb generation. I believe that the old school generation was leading in the front and was leading them to the promised land. But behind them, I believe, was the Joshua generation. Though you know what I'm talking? Come on, somebody. The old school and the new school. See, I want you to know it takes two generations to be able to accomplish the vision and the the promise that God's given us. Somebody say amen. Those two people were down. They arrived. And what they did, the Bible says that they, they presented themselves to Moses, to Aaron, and to the whole community. When you read the story, it says that they, once they got there, the ten spies, uh, most of the spies, they started saying, we went to the land where you sent us, and indeed is flowing with milk and honey, and its fruits are bountiful. And he began to say, but there was giants. You know, I could imagine that they began to think like this. Oh, my God, you know, we went, but it's impossible. The place is amazing, but there's big enemies. And, you know, they be, I believe they began to start describing how big these people were. They were there. They had big 
a big head. And no, you don't have a big head. Just, you know, I'm just saying, you know, hello, somebody. They had big feet and big arms and big muscles and big shorts and big shoes. And the people that were there, they began to get scared and they began to say, oh my God, we can never take them. We can never do this. But I believe that all of us, the Bible says that Caleb silenced the people and said, he said, shut up your mouth. Hello, somebody. And he began to rise up and he said, listen, he said, began to shout out, listen, hold up, wait a minute, let me put some Jesus in it. What? So, you know, Joshua was like old school, you know, radical gangster. Hello, somebody. He said, no, no, hold up. Listen, if God's given us that, let us go up now and take the land. So Moses, you know, being a leader, he had to bring clarity in a moment of confusion. And he says, die, 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 die. Danielson, focus. Huh? Focus, Danielson. And I, this is my sanctified imagination, all right? It's not a doctrine. Don't write a book about it. This is what I think was happening. He began to say, listen, no, Moses. Moses said, listen, shh. Listen, they brought back samples. They brought back the grapes. And he said, look at the grapes. I believe that Moses would began to think, you know, finally, there's some kind of proof that what I've been speaking about is there. What I've been saying is possible. And they began to, I began to say, oh, my gosh, I've been preaching to these stiff-necked people for so long. Now they got some proof. And listen, I pray and I hope they catch the vision. And I thank God there was Aaron there. Aaron was the assistant to Moses. And I believe Aaron said that. He says, oh, my gosh. Yo. What is good, my brew? Huh? And I believe that Aaron said, listen, oh, you know what? I want to believe. I got to believe. I see it. But listen, Moses, forgive me. My faith is not like your faith quite yet. I got to try it first and taste and see if the Lord is really good. So I believe Aaron tasted the great. Oh, my God, that's so good. See, sometimes what God does, he gets a generation to have to taste the power, the anointing, the grace that is in the ministry. And God will do that in generation to generation. But once you see it, you will believe it. Give God a good hand if you've done that. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. Aaron tasted it, but at the same time, there was the people, the people, the people. Collectively, I believe they said, man, what's so special about the grapes? What's so special about the grapes? Huh? Now, first and foremost, what you see in a biblical sense, these grapes represented fruit of the future. These, rep these grapes represented proof that where they were going was going to be great. See, proof is the evidence establishing a fact or a truth. Some will say the proof is in the pudding. No, my dear friend, the proof is in the grapes. See, because grapes are the fruit of the future. So, you know what's amazing about grapes? They're good right now, right? But you know they get greater in the future. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Naughty, naughty, naughty. Huh? You can make raisins out of them. You can make dry fruit out of them. You can come on, right? And you could even make wine out of them. Now, we're not going to talk about wine at this moment. But one thing we do know that the grapes represent fruit of the future. 
They represent that, you know what, if, that, if God, if there's grapes there, that means something, that God's going to take us to a place that is filled with soil that is fertile. And if the soil is fertile, then we shall prosper. See, I want you to know something about grapes. I know a lot about grapes. I lived in Cape Town, and in Cape Town, there is what is called a state's. You've seen Blood Diamond, right? And they go to Cape Town, and the guys, right? And they get to the, get to the soil, and he says, look at the soil. But did you know that if you can grow grapes, listen, if you know that you can't grow grapes anywhere, it has, to, it has to be a very fertile soil. But if you can grow grapes there, then you can grow anything. You can grow naranjas. Come on, somebody. Where's all my Mexican brothers? No? Come on, oh, forgot where you came from, right? Come on, brother. Huh? But what I'm trying to say, if you can grow grapes in that soil, then listen, you're able to grow anything. See, what I'm trying to say is that maybe in your past, you weren't that prosperous, you weren't that fruitful, or even now in the present, you don't find yourself that fruitful. But I want you to know that God is taking this ministry and even this church to a future that is more fertile, more amen. Come on, somebody give God a praise. Somebody give God a praise. Somebody better praise God we're stepping in to a more fertile and fruitful future that's what our elders would will it so see the truth is this that Moses would say listen people of God focus on the grapes remember the grapes no matter what you're going through now remember the grapes they're proof now if you were if I was sitting there I would say okay what does that mean well, you have grapes in the 21st century. You got grapes. You have fruit of the future. I want to show you a living proof of a grape. Are you ready? Pastor, are you ready? All right. Get ready, all right? Okay, one, two, three. Ta-da! My testimony should encourage you. See, I am proof that if God can use me, he can use you. I used to be a wannabe raver running to San Francisco, running to San Diego, popping ecstasy and acid. But Jesus saved me, set me free, sent me to the nations, and I'm a blessed man. I want you to know that, listen, I am a fruit of the future. If God can use you, me, he can use you. See, I've, been, I've tasted the prosperity of God. I have a beautiful South African Cape Tonian baby. I have a beautiful calling. I have a beautiful church. I have a beautiful destiny. Because why? I'm a grape. But my dear friends, grapes don't come alone. Hallelujah. Where there's one grapes, hallelujah, there's many a grapes. And you have a grape right there. You have grapes all over. We are sitting amongst a cloud of grapes why because I'm just kidding <laughs> it's tempting you know but I gotta be civilized okay let me just get my composure back correct listen we're grapes we are evidence that man if God did it for us how much more will he do it for our descendants God is a good God see it's proof that we have a great future that's what's powerful about grapes. It's proof. The second thing that it is, what's so special about grapes, that grapes, whether you like to admit it or not, grapes are refreshing. 
The Bible says when we went to the land where you sent us, it is indeed flowing with milk and honeys. Listen, all you single guys, wait for the future because there is, there is indeed flowing with milk and honeys. That's what the Bible says. Don't get the right one. Get the right now. Get the right one. But you better wait. I waited 11 years before I got married because I read in the Bible that the future is filled with milk and honeys. Lord, I don't want to. I'm not a bee. I just want one honey. Come on, somebody. Sweet as honey, right? It's just a joke. <laughs> Some other single guys like, oh, God, speak it to me right now. Uh, listen, there is. In a grape, there is so much in a grape that we can't really understand. As a matter of fact, the grape has more in it than you could ever imagine. It has compounded elements. It has sugar, potassium giving health to the heart, to the body. It, the grapes are comp compressed fluids squeezed together, put together in a smaller grape. Did you know that they say that one grape can refresh in you as much as a bottle of water? One grape. Pretty heavy, huh? See, what I'm trying to say is that there's power in the grape. More than you could ever imagine. Because they are, in the natural sense, they are nature's medicine. They are nature's medicine for cancer, heart disease, and much, much more. In the natural sense, they are nature's medicine. Now, in a biblical sense, they are not only, they're not nature's medicine, but they are medicine to the spirit and to the soul. Huh? See, because what happened here, you got to know what happened here. When you look at the story, what happened here, God's people had a bitter past. Their past was full of slavery and being led or being oppressed by a cruel master. We created a bitter past. Even more than that, they even had a sour present time. Because all of a sudden they were in the, in the wilderness for 40 years, always going but never getting And what their past was bitter. Their present was sour. Somebody say, I hear what you're saying. And likened to them, many a times, the things that have happened on our past, the things that have ha are happening now, have a tendency to create bitterness and sourness in our lives. Somebody say, hello, somebody. See, I know what I'm saying. Some of you still have scars of your past. Some of you right now, you're going through so much that you feel dry, you feel empty, you feel sour. But did you know that those things don't go without the, 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 the release of God? Those things don't go without the permission of God. See, those things serve for a divine purpose. See, the beautiful thing about the grape is this, that, you know, have you ever been in a time where you eat something and it's bitter? Or you eat something and it's, you know, kind of like, oh, it doesn't really. But all of a sudden you put a grape in your mouth. Oh, my God. Mm. All of us. Let me, let, me, let me just, maybe you got to visualize you. Go ahead, brother. You had coffee, right? You had coffee this morning? Okay, who had coffee this morning? Sister Josie, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, there you go. Mm, uh, you know, it feels good. Uh, come on. See, what I'm trying to say is that the bitterness of your past, the sourness of your presence was divinely allowed by God so that all of a sudden you can be able to really taste the sweetness of the future that's coming upon your life. Somebody say amen. See, I know what I'm saying. 
Because God has a way of always, though it's hard, though you feel like you're going to get, all of a sudden when you feel like you're going to give up, God brings about a revival, a refreshing, an outpouring. All of a sudden you say, Lord, I got a feeling everything's going to be all right. Be all right. Be all right. Be all right. The Holy Spirit. You know what I'm talking about? Boom. All of a sudden you feel refreshed. You feel excited. You feel like, man, it's going to be all right. See, that's the power that God has to refresh in your life. See, I want you to know, God is in the business of pouring out new wine. See, even wine itself has a way of refreshing you. Did you know what's so special? What makes, what makes grapes so special? Because they make wine. They make wine. Vino. Huh? For those of you that don't understand English, yes, my dear friend, they can do it many, but one of the greatest things that they do is make wine. What's so special about wine? Because they make wine. See, I'm not going to speak to you about whether it's of God to drink or not of God, but the Bible does say that wine is a mocker. The Bible says that it is smooth yet after it bites you like a snake. The Bible says that he who gives himself a strong drink should cut his own throat. Some of you might say, wow, what about the Jewish law and the Jewish ceremonies? They get to drink. Well, the Jews are not, it doesn't condemn the Jews. Well, the only thing about Jew is Jew mama, Jew daddy. You ain't a Jew. Huh? Right? We're free from the law. Some of you say, wow, well, ma'am, that, that could have been a law we should have kept. Do you know what I'm talking about? We should do the sabbatical. Hallelujah. Well, if you want to keep the law, then don't go eat pork burritos don't eat carnitas my brother come on somebody don't eat tacos de pastor my brother hello somebody listen we always need to remember the power of that one drink it is that one drink that brought about greater evils in your life. It is that one drink that destroyed your family, your marriage, your kids. We in Victory Outreach, we believe that by all means, we're to refrain from alcohol. Somebody say amen. But what about the health benefits? Well, there's true. They, there, there was a, according to the study done by the FDA, they said, drink one or two glasses of red wine each day. It may lower your cholesterol levels and decrease a risk of heart and disease and cancer. Wow. Most recently, the leader of research of the FDA, a lady by the name of Dr. Valerie Shinyhearth. Hello, somebody. She said this, however, the alcohol and the wine can cause bodily damage if taken excessively, which usually does happen. <laughs> He says, truth be told, grape juice can have a similar effect as red wine, but without the alcohol. It says, most people don't realize that the positive effects of the heart and health from the red wine actually come from the nature's medicine. They come from the red grapes itself, from the skin of the red grape. Not from the wine itself, she says. So she concludes to say this, you can get the same benefits by eating both the red grapes and grape juice. Somebody say hallelujah. Say hallelujah. You're like, hallelujah. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Listen. But one thing we cannot deny is this, that grapes have a way of refreshing your health, your body. You should go home and, you know, get some grape juice. 
You guys can take this after if you want. Because they have a way of refreshing the inside of you. And the word, by, the word refresh by definition comes from a Latin word that comes, a French word that ultimately comes from a Latin word. But the French word means, you know, it means refresh, to give strength, energy, and rejuvenation. Now the word refresh has a root word which is re, R-E, fresh. Now the word re means to bring it back. So what I'm trying to say, what I mean when I say refresh, God and his power and the outpouring of the spirit of God has a way to bringing things back in your life. What I mean to say that back in the days, you used to be totally in love with God. Now God is going to bring it back to you right now. What I'm trying to say, the way you were on fire for God back then, God will do it again. The way you were, you know, you were willing to answer the call back then, God will do it again. The way you wanted to take the city for God back then, God will do it again. The way you wanted to preach for God back then, God will do it again. Because when the Spirit of God hits you, He has the way of refreshing in your life. See, I know the history of Victory Outreach, Heart of the Bay, slash Hayward. You guys are city takers world shakers and listen some of you god is gonna refresh you empower you stir you you think i'm just trying to preach to you you're crazy you're crazy you think i'm just trying to preach i preached one one too many messages i'm here to let you know that we have a legacy to live up to we have a command to honor. We have a life to live. Far be it from us that we be the missing link or the winkling. As for you, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord and we're going to go out into the cities. Listen, this is the new, the new school right here with old wine. Come on, somebody. You're looking at the descendants of this ministry. I'm not even a PK, but I proclaim that thing. Hello, somebody. Well, actually, I am because my dad's a painter. <laughs> I'm a painter's kid. But one thing that's inside of me is that, man, the same anointing that was upon Pastor Sonny, David Martinez, Ed Morales, Steve Pineda, that's the same anointing that's going to come upon this generation. I'm not talking about the gang. I'm talking about those that are alive right now. Come on, somebody. The Spirit of God is active. What keeps Pastor Sonny on a plane at the age of 70 plus flying across the world? Even now, he's probably preaching at the night service. New wine, baby. Hello, somebody. Now, some of you might say, well... Oh, it's not like the old days. Oh, I remember the good old days. I want you to know those are good days, but God's going to give her gooder days because God gets gooder and gooder and gooder. I want you to know, you might, you might be saying, well, you know what? I remember, listen, don't remember, make memories, my brother and my sister. I want you to know the Bible says, Isaiah 43, 18, remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Behold, it's coming now. It's springing up. Do you not perceive it? I want you to know, Pastor Sonny said, we're just scratching the surface of what God's going to do throughout the entire world. Somebody say amen. Last thing, as they come to the piano, 
What makes the grape so powerful, it's not, that, that it's not so much that they're proof. What makes grapes so powerful, it's not so much that they are the power refreshing us. What makes grapes so powerful is that grapes are connected. A grape is only a grape within and of itself. But what makes the grape so powerful that it's connected to a vine. And in the Old Testament, the vine represented the promised land. But in the New Testament, the vine represents the promised one. John chapter 15, I believe verse 9, he says, Listen, I am the vine, you are the branches. Without me you can do nothing, but with me you shall bear much fruit. I have only one desire. I'll be honest with you. More than a, it's a stronger desire than, than, you know, to go out there and have pleasure. I have one desire that when I got saved at the age of 18, May 25th, 1995, at the Victory Arch Eagle Walk, a.k.a. Hollywood, I got a desire to go out and preach the gospel and make disciples. That's my desire. And you know why? Because as long as I stay connected to the vine, his desires become my desires. How do you know you're connected? What is your desire? How do you know? And if you're not connected... They're here. All the pastors are here. And they said, listen, just get connected. But I've been hurt in the past. Here you go. Bitterness. Boom. Taste it. Ooh, you like that, huh? There's more where you came from, brother. There's more. Come on. You got to just follow me. You, you have a, you know, you're struggling right now in the present. All right, let me, here, take one, take one. Boom, here you go. Pow! Come on. Pow! Tastes good. There's more, brother. Just follow me. There's more where. See, because I'll tell you one thing. As long as we're connected, it's a continuous source. Come on, somebody. A continuous strength that is never ending, always flowing. Some of you, you got to stay connected to what God is doing this. This is a great branch. It's a great ministry. It has a great future. It has a great past. It has a great legacy. But I guarantee you, my dear brothers, Pastor Sipanini will will it so that we have a greater future, a greater calling. Because we're connected to the heart of our founder, which is for South Africa. Somebody say amen. See, he, he's desperate. He just went to get more. I like that about a brother. Somebody should I get it, snagger. Just get it. Hello, somebody. This evening, morning, I just want to thank you for listening to a simple man. I came out of left field. I kind of like left field sometimes. But the reason I'm here is because Pastor Sonny Sr. has made it a point to invest in our lives. And I'm able to see his heart. He says, listen, we got to get these young adults. You got to get these people. And some of them, they're not willing no more. But I'll tell you one thing. You cannot focus on the things that you should have done or could have done or would have done. No, forget about all that. You still have a lot of life left. You know, I, I'm from, you know, I remember when I got saved, some of the guys get saved at the age of 40 and they go on fire. Some of our young adults, they're not even 35 yet and they're all bummed out right now. Just get re-saved in the spirit, you know. Just believe that you just, just, just reinvent your salvation at that moment and say, you know what, it's like if I, it's just like if I just first came in. And I'll tell you one thing. If God can use me with heathenistic, drunken parents, how much more are our children? God wants.
wants to use this church like never before. I believe it, man. I believe it. I want to close with this, that there's a challenge that stops us from getting into our future. It's the same challenge that the people of God had back then. It's a mentality that says, you know what? That's too big for us. As a matter of fact, it's a, a mentality the Bible says. And let me read it to you to, in, in Psalms 106. Have mercy on me for taking so long. It says here in Psalms 106, it says, The people refused to enter the pleasant land, for they would not believe his promises to take care of them. Instead, they grumbled in their tents and refused to obey the Lord. See, what happened was is that because they got stuck and they could not believe that their God was big enough to use somebody who's so small, they had an issue of disbelief that led to disobedience. And a disobedient spirit that will lead to rebellion. You know the story. At the end of the day, they said, you know what? We could never do that. We could never do that. We, we are like grasshoppers in the eyes of the giants. Not only are we grasshoppers in their eyes, but we're grasshoppers in our own eyes. And you know what? That broke the heart of God. Because a grasshopper is a creature that is, that is used for plagues. He should have called himself a butterfly. Something a little bit more prettier. Something with a little bit more respect. But they said, no, you know what? And we, are, we are filthy. We are, we are pitiful fools. Because what happens, they compare themselves to all the nations around them. And they said, all these nations are better than us. It's greater than us. We're wasting our time here. God is not real. And they began to spread like locusts or like grasshoppers. Did you know that a grasshopper, no matter what you do, does not eat grapes? Grasshoppers don't eat grapes. What they do, they don't eat the grapes. They just go to the grape and they smell it. It's a grape. Mm. Well, then they go to the grape and they'll just kind of like lick the dew, but they won't, they won't eat it. Instead, they go and they bring other people and say, did you know there's a grape? And they come and they eat all the leaves of the grapes. Then they start nibbling on the vine till the vine, and the, till the vine stops pouring juice and the grape all of a sudden dwindles and they become useless. Because see, the grasshopper has an issue with the vine. The truth is this, when we're going forward, when we're trying to take a ministry into its future, there will always be those that have an issue with God. And they will always begin to go and say, you know, it's not going to happen. It hasn't happened. I don't know if it's going to happen. That's a grasshopper mentality. A person that says, you know what? Oh, you know, man, it's been a long time. And they don't ever, they don't ever eat of the future fruits. They don't even partake. They don't do it with joy. They just sit there all bitter, all bummed out, all messed up. And then what happens, they tend to see what happens, you know, when you think about vegetation, what grasshoppers do, they go back and bring others with them. And if God wanted to destroy a field, he would send forth a plague of grasshoppers. And I'm saying a message that God spoke to me. Caesar, if you're in this, you got to have faith for grapes, not a mentality of a grasshopper. Huh? Because your future will pass you by. And I begin to think, Lord, God, touch my mind, Lord. Touch my heart. Because the truth is this, a grasshopper mentality not only has a low view of God, 
but they have a low view of God's people and they have a low view of themselves. Because what happens, it starts with a view of themselves. They say, I'm nothing, I'm nothing, and you know what, I'm not nothing, and that person thinks he's better than me, and that person's not better than me, and you know, God can't use, all of a sudden, you need to know this, that God loves you, you are not, you're a child of destiny, you're not a child of the past, don't matter what your mama said, don't matter what your school teacher said, you are a child that's been set free, washed in the blood, beautiful in his eyes, precious to his thoughts, his thoughts towards you are as numerous as the sands of the sea he loves you he called you he set you apart no matter what you've thought no matter what's in your heart you just gotta come say God I'm sorry forgive me for thinking less of myself because the Bible says how a man thinketh of his heart so shall he become you gotta think bigger about your God so you can think better about your church and you can be the best for the things of God you gotta think bigger about your God so you can think better about your church so you can become the best for the work of God. You got to have a mind that says, remember the grapes. I want to ask you to stand to your feet this morning. I want you to know this. I've had to fight those battles for the last 18 years. When my father said, Caesar, you know what? Don't you dare serve God and be a hypocrite. He says, if you're going to serve God, huh, don't be a hypocrite. And what he was saying is that, come on, Caesar, you've always said that. You've always said you're going to change. You never change. See, I've always had a battle with what I'm telling you. I've always had a battle with that, but it took God and the presence of God that touches my mind and that says, listen, God, though I'm not worthy, though I've made many mistakes. See, some of us here, you might be sitting and you say, you know what, God, I messed up in the past so bad. And Lord, how can you ever use me even in the present? And God, I don't deserve to be used in the future because, man, I've made some. I want you to know, my brothers and sisters, if God can use Peter, if God can use Paul, if God can use all these men, if God can use Rahab the prostitute, how much more you, if God saved you when you didn't love him, how much more will he release you when you love him? God, God needs you. The future of this church needs you. It needs you. It needs you. It wants you. It desires to have your heart. But you can't, you can't have a low view of God because it'll affect the view of your future. I want you to close your eyes just for a second. Close your eyes for a second. And if the worship team wants to come up here and just help me, close your eyes. We're going to just go ahead. And I want you to begin to think about God active not only in your present time but I want you to begin to imagine what God is able to do in your life in the future I want you to know that God has a great future for your life that you ain't got to wait till heaven to be filled with joy and ecstasy. Because listen, this future is just preparation of the joys you will receive in heaven. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord. In the name of Jesus, God. Oh, that name, that precious name that is able, God, to refresh in 
a man and a woman who's been beat down by the past and, and been weighed down by the present in the name of Jesus move in this morning move in these altars oh God for your honor and for your glory and for your kingdom God in the name of Jesus that's all we have that's what we believe in God so do it now God do it here God in the name of Jesus we're going to sing a song of worship and I want you to come to the altars, not for a long time, but for a second, for a moment of time, so that we can pray that God will strengthen you now and prepare you for what He has for you in the future. Come on, worship team. Let the Lord You're use the you. God of this city. Come on. You're, You're the, the God of these people. Come on, sing it. You're the Lord of this nation. Come on, worship Him. You are. Come on, say those words. 